0: What's up, folks? This is D. David welcoming you to another edition of Put It in a Book, where I love to read for you the introductions and forwards for some of the most knowledge-filled, some of the most history-filled black books available. My purpose is to encourage folks to seek information, gain knowledge that will prepare them for a more prosperous future. We can't continue to rely on the education that we gain through these public institutions that was force-fed to us. We can't continue to rely on that. More importantly, we can't continue to rely on the tainted and twisted information we get every day from the TV news and the newspapers and all that trash. We can't. We have to go out, seek information, and rely on our own intellect to give us the knowledge that will inform our wisdom. That's the only way to do it because great choices are made by the well-informed wise. Right? Let's get on with our book for this. No, 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 let's, let's, that's not what I want to do. I want to get into a little current events. Who heard our president's farewell speech this week? Yeah, Barack Obama's farewell speech was wonderful. And I bring up the speech because it was great. But it also directly connects to the topic in our book this week. I loved that term that folks in the 40s and 50s used to use for people who were freedom fighters or people who fought for justice. They used to call them uh, race men. (laughs) I love that term. Well, President Obama is a racially different president. The book we're going to read is a race book. And its author is most definitely a race woman. And you'll understand what I mean when I give you the information on her. But President Obama's speech was wonderful. And I I grabbed a few quotes that directly relate to the book that we're going to get into. Uh, Here is uh, one of my favorite quotes. He was talking about threats to the democracy of the United States, threats to our democracy. And one of the largest threats, he said, was race. And here's what he said. The talk of a post-racial America. Such a vision, however well intended, was never realistic. Race remains a potent and divisive force in our society. And then he said, um, if every economic issue is framed as a struggle between a white middle class and a lower class undeserving minority, then we will be left fighting for scraps while the wealthy withdraw further into their private enclaves. Deep, right? How true. Our book this week was written by Michelle Alexander. A little about Michelle. Michelle served for several years as the director of the Racial Justice Project At the ACLU, she currently holds a joint appointment at the Kerwin Institute for the Study of Race and Ethnicity, and she's an associate law professor at Ohio State University. The name of her book, "The New Jim Crow." I would say that Michelle is uh, quite knowledgeable of. Jim Crow and the Jim Crow laws and race, period, right? Given her experience and background. The foreword that I'm going to read was written by the well-known American philosopher, political activist, social critic, and author himself, Cornel West. Yeah. And he does an excellent, excellent job you'll see. The New Jim Crow is a very popular book, I know. In my circles, I know it's popular, and I want it to be popular in your circle, because this book will inform you. This book will change you. This book will change your mind. This book will change your heart. This book will inform you as to how America, red, yellow, black, white, or brown, got to where it is today regarding race relations. This book goes back to the beginning and brings you to the current era now before I read the forward I always like to read a few chapter headings just to whet your appetite chapter 1 the birth of caste chapter 2 the lockdown the new Jim Crow talks a lot about incarceration chapter 3 the Color of Justice. Talks a lot about the criminal justice system. Chapter 4, The Cruel Hand, Brave New World. And Chapter 6, The Fire This Time. The greatest chapter of this book. So you're going to have to read all of the way through to get to the greatest chapter of the book. Okay, like I said, the foreword was written by the great Cornell West. Michelle Alexander's The New Jim Crow is the secular Bible for a new social movement in early 21st century America. Like C. Van Woodward's The Strange Career of Jim Crow, a book Martin Luther King, Jr. called The Historical Bible of the Civil Rights Movement, we are witnessing the unique union of a powerful and poignant text with a democratic awakening focused on the poor and vulnerable in American society. The New Jim Crow is an instant classic because it captures the emerging spirit of our age. For too long, there has been no mass fight back against the multi-leveled assault on poor and vulnerable people. Despite the heroic work of intellectual freedom fighters including Marian Wright Edelman, Angela Davis, Glenn Lurie, Mark Moyer, and others. Yet, the sleepwalking is slowly but surely coming to a close as more and more fellow citizens realize that the iron cage that inhabit, maybe even a golden cage for the affluent, is still a form of bondage. The new Jim Crow is a grand wake-up call in the midst of a long slumber of indifference to the poor and vulnerable. This indifference promotes a superficial ethic of success, money, fame, and pleasure that leaves too many well-adjusted to injustice. In short, this book is a genuine resurrection of the spirit of Martin Luther King, Jr. amid the confusion of the age of Obama. While the age of Obama is a time of historic breakthroughs at the level of racial symbols and political surfaces, Michelle Alexander's magisterial work takes us beyond these breakthroughs to the systemic breakdown of black and poor communities devastated by mass unemployment, social neglect, economic abandonment, and intensive police surveillance. Her subtle analysis shifts our attention from the racial symbol of America's achievement to the actual substance of America's shame, the massive use of state power to incarcerate hundreds of thousands of precious poor black male and increasingly female young people in the name of a bogus war on drugs. Her nuanced historical narrative, tracing the unconscionable treatment and brutal control of black people, slavery, Jim Crow, mass incarceration, takes us beneath the political surfaces and lays bare the structures of a racial caste system alive and well in the age of colorblindness. In fact, the very discourse of colorblindness created by neoconservatives and neoliberals in order to trivialize and disguise the depth of black suffering in the 1980s and 1990s has left America blind to the new Jim Crow. How sad it is that this blindness has persisted under both Republican and Democratic administrations and remains to this day hardly acknowledged or examined in our nation's public discourse. The new Jim Crow shatters this silence. Once you read it, you have crossed the Rubicon and there is no return to sleepwalking. You are now awakened to a dark and ugly reality that has been in place for decades and that is continuous with the racist underside of American history from the advent of slavery onward. There is no doubt that if young white people were incarcerated at the same rate as young black people, the issue would be a national emergency. But it is also true that if young black middle-class and upper-class people were incarcerated at the same rates as young black poor people, black leaders would focus much more on the prison-industrial complex. Again, Michelle Alexander has exposed the class bias of much of black leadership, as well as the racial bias of American leadership, for whom the poor and vulnerable of all colors are a low priority as Alexander puts it in her fiery and bold last chapter, The Fire This Time, with echoes from the great James Baldwin. It is this failure to care, really care across color lines, that lies at the core of this system of control and every racial caste system that has existed in the United States or anywhere else in the world. Martin Luther King Jr., Called us to be love struck with each other, not colorblind toward each other. To be love struck is to care, to have deep compassion, and to be concerned for each other, every individual, including the poor and vulnerable. The social movement fanned and fueled by this historic book is a democratic awakening that says we do care, that the racial caste system must be dismantled that we need a revolution in our warped priorities, a transfer of power from the oligarchs to the people, and that we are willing to live and die to make it so. Deep. Great. So that's the forward. Um, Cornel West put that book in a nutshell for us. Before you go out and get the book, I came across something today that really gives insight, tells why, tells the purpose of my podcast, and also why this book is so important. It's a quote I read by uh, Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King gave a speech at the Riverside Church in New York, and the name of the speech was Beyond Vietnam. The title of that speech gave you total insight as to where Martin's head was at this time. Now, he was talking about, speaking about Vietnam, but his ideology, his purpose, his reasons were beyond Vietnam. Just listen what it says. For those who asked the question, aren't you a civil rights leader and thereby mean to exclude me from the movement for peace? I have this further answer. In 1957, when a group of us formed the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, we chose as our motto to save the soul of America. We were convinced that we could not limit our vision to certain rights for black people, but instead affirmed the conviction that America would never be free or saved from itself until the descendants of its slaves were loosed completely from the shackles they still wear. Now, he gave that, that's part of a speech he gave on Vietnam. He could have given that. That quote is significant for the new Jim Crow. That quote is significant for the struggle because what he's saying is the, the struggle is not simply a struggle for poor people, a struggle for black people, For lower class people. The struggle. Is to save. The soul of America. And in saving the soul. Of America. We help all people. We help us all. Now in this. Episode. As I end all episodes. With a quote from Socrates. Employ your time. In improving yourself by other men's writings, so that you shall gain easily what others have labored hard for. So, employ your time. Get the book. Read it. Gain the knowledge. Inform your wisdom. And you will be able to make wiser choices for yourself, for your family, for the future. Thank you. This is D. David, and I'm out.